Hello and welcome to the Social World Podcast. I'm Dave Niven and it's always good to be with you. Now today I'm going to talk to a man at the top of the tree, um, the Minister of State of the Department for Education, responsible for children and families, that's Robert Goodwill, MP. And I'm going to just get try and get a sense of what he sees um, in terms of the landscape of changes that are going on at the moment. There's the new Social Working Children Act. There's the um, changes in structure to local safeguarding children boards. There's the uh, new regulations for uh, social workers uh, being actually assessed. And there's a whole change of... of um, structure within the um, working together document that's going to be finally published after consultation in a couple of months time so I thought we'd start and talk to him now as well as everything else I've got to say a, a very happy holiday to everybody good Christmas new year it's been quite a year I haven't done as many podcasts I don't think as I'd have liked to have done but then again the day job sometimes gets in the way but I really appreciate your listening. I really would appreciate you pushing it further out. I don't make any money out of this podcast. This is just um, for my and everybody else's enjoyment. So please um, pass it on. Tell people about it. Give me more ideas, as you always do, for people you'd like to hear about or hear interviewed or items that you'd like me to put on it. And I'll keep reaching out to other podcasters and other people within our world, social work, social care, and so child protection and try and give you as much as I can. So I wish you a very, very happy Christmas and a very good new year. And we'll have a look at Robert and listen to Robert Goodwill today. My thanks again to um, Alba Digital Media for the uh, technical help. And as always, you can come back, leave messages, email me at, day, uh, sorry, email me uh, media at socialworldpodcast.com or at Dave Niven on Twitter. So keep it going, keep it coming, keep supporting, and I'll try and do my best for you. Thanks. I'm joined today by Robert Goodwill, who was the Minister of State at the Department for Education, and he's been in post since June this year. Welcome to the programme. Yes, thank you very much indeed for having me on. Now, six months into the post, um, and a huge range of responsibilities. Now, I know you've, you're politically experienced, I know you were an MEP, I know you had various other government positions, but this, by the look of it, was a reasonably new landscape for you. Was that fair? And, and, and how's, how are you feeling about it so far? Well, I'm, I'm sort of new to getting sort of dropped in the deep end in a new landscape because um, my, my previous job uh, was as immigration minister. I'd not been involved with that before. And uh, as so often after a reshuffle, it, it means there's a fairly steep learning curve, getting to know some of the issues and getting to know some of the people very well. Uh, but um, I, I hope I've built myself a reputation as a, a safe pair of hands, having dealt with uh, Heathrow Runway 3, High Speed 2, and then going on to do uh, immigration. So um, I hope that I can bring my experience here. And, of course, what's the great thing about the British political system is that we've got civil servants who are um, professionals. They're not political appointees. And so I've got great backup from not only the uh, professionals within the department, but also going out into local government, particularly talking to social workers. There's a tremendous load of expertise there. So 
you know, we, we don't sort of need to reinvent the wheel. Uh, a lot of the stuff that's been in train is, is, is already there for us to build on. Right. Now, the, the Social Work England uh, is going to become the bespoke regulatory body for social workers in England. But um, just some of my colleagues were asking the question about the, the new position of uh, the chair of the board and or the chief executive. And in neither of their job descriptions did it actually specify that they had to be either a social worker or, or a registered social worker or have uh, uh, extensive social work expertise. Um, is, is that the case? Was it deliberate uh, or, or was it or was it just an oversight, do you think? No, no, it was absolutely intentional. We want to open up the field as, as wide as possible to applicants. And obviously the, the skills of the chief executive and the chair will be different skills. And it may be that somebody will bring forward a, a lot of experience from another area. Um, but um, I think at least uh, one of them should have social work experience to bring that to there. So uh, we are very keen to see a wide range of applicants. And I hope that when the chair and the chief executive are appointed, people will sort of think, Ah, yes, that's just the person we need to run this new organisation. Okay, right. Well, in, in, in the light of just carrying on with that subject for a second, the new National Assessment and Accreditation System. Now, th there was some acceptance by your predecessor, Tim Lawton, about the fact that it could be seen in the whole proof-of-concept evaluation that there might be a bias against some older or black and ethnic minority social workers, and he was actually going to cause that to be looked into? Has, has that come across your desk yet at all? Well, I, I don't think the uh, the assessment and accreditation would be um, a, a system that would discriminate against anybody. I mean, the whole, the whole point of this is to have a, a system where we can assess the skills of social workers. And having been in a number of uh, boroughs and, and counties around the country, uh, I've seen some great social work being delivered by people of all you know, both genders and, and different uh, um, ethnic backgrounds. So I really don't think that's something that, that I'm preoccupied about because I think we are very much within the social work sector, not an, an area where there is uh, examples of uh, discrimination that would really need to be uh, addressed. Uh, I think we've got a great... I mean, the UK is, is I think, a great country where we really don't... Um, get too hung up about uh, about race and ethnicity and and gender and sexuality and, and I think that's one of the great things about our country and I think the um, the system we're putting in place is, is one that will be looking at people's skills and their ability uh, and I think that's uh, we've got people from all uh, ethnic backgrounds with great skills and great ability and I look forward to them excelling in the in the testing that's going to be done uh, so that they can be assessed and given that additional um, I think, uh, feeling of professionalism. Uh, but I will ensure that the system there is fair. And, of course, we're now moving into the first phase. Uh, I was up in Leeds earlier this week talking to social workers there. And, and I've got to say they're up for it. They, they really see this as a, as a great opportunity. Uh, and many of the concerns that people had about the way the assessment will be carried out, I think, have been allayed. And we will learn from the, um, the initial phases, the first phase with a small number of authorities moving on to, to uh, a larger cohort. And I think that will give us a good opportunity to make sure the system is fair and, and it does actually identify the, the real skill that is out there in the social work profession. Right. Well, I mean, it sounds very much, Robert, like you, it's not obviously something that's crossed your desk in any kind of major way and you, you explained what your thoughts are on that, but I presume it would be something you'd keep your eye on. Yes, I mean, if, 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 if there was any suggestion, the questions would be ones that would be 
likely to be select against one particular ethnic group, then we will certainly look at those. But you know, I, this is not an area where I've picked up uh, any real uh, discrimination on the on the basis of, of of anything. I mean, social workers are the most diverse group of people I've come across, and they bring different skills to their job. And indeed, you know, it can often be that a person from the same ethnic group can be able to work even more effectively with. Uh, children in need of their own group, whether that be because of cultural or even language skills that they may have. Okay, thanks. Um, now, I, I want to ask you, if I can, Robert, about the the abolishment of local children's safeguarding boards and the replacement of other safeguarding arrangements in, in each local authority that the, the, the Act has brought and Alan Wood's report kind of um, triggered. Um, it's just that the, at the moment, it seems, and I was talking to colleagues, and I wonder what you thought about this, is that it's fairly loose, as far as we can see, about what each local authority does, provided that the one or two things, such as serious case reviews, etc., um, and the new panel for that, the new national panel, and, and also the child death overview panel is now moving over to the Department of Health. But apart from that, it seems that of the 153 boards that are essentially having their statutory nature taken away, that it could end up with about 103 slightly different arrangements up and down the country. Now, would you think that is preferable um, to a kind of a more unified approach? Or, I mean, was that the intention? Or how do you, what do you think about that? Well, I think different areas have different problems and different local needs. So uh, I don't think there's anything wrong at all in allowing the local people to themselves tailor what they're doing to what their particular circumstances are. I mean, I think what is really important is that, that these reviews uh, very quickly enable us to uh, learn lessons where things may have gone wrong. I mean, the problem, you know, a serious case review uh, takes 15 months to produce and uh, lessons so far after the event tend to have little impact. So there's little point in more and more serious case reviews being produced if they don't answer the right questions and, and, and this little or no, no learning results. So I think moving to the more lo localised solution for many cases, I think, will be, be great. And, and indeed, I, I hope that these uh, different boards learn from each other. And, and if, if good practice is, uh, is shared, then that's a great opportunity. But it was a deliberate um, uh, move by the government to ensure that, uh, that we can actually tailor what is needed in different areas to their real challenges. Mm. Okay, now, the, thanks. The, the, the flexibility of it, I get. Um, at the moment, um, there's independent scrutiny through the position of the chair of these boards, and that's something, as you know, that I'm involved with myself. And, and in future, uh, the Working Together guidelines talk about um, leadership from, the, if you like, the triumvirate, the police, the health, and, and the local authority, but also a need for independent scrutiny. Were you still thinking about, as it were, the, the, the situation of the, the chairs, as it were, fulfilling that role still? Because I believe many, many of my colleagues and authorities up and down the country are just maintaining the status quo. And is that something that you probably had in mind? Well, I think where there are good people uh, chairing these boards, then, then I wouldn't want to lose their expertise. And it's up to each board to decide how to carry out its particular roles. Um, and also, I think in different areas, it, it will also depend whether you know, health, police or, or, or social work uh, have the biggest sort of part to play in, in, in making sure that, that where we need to learn lessons, those lessons are fully acted upon. So I think it was a deliberate uh, policy to ensure that, that local people can, can make those decisions to mm. actually make sure that they have the best solution in their own area. 
Okay. Now, the, the funding... I, Sorry? I know you do great work, you know, chairing the local safeguarding children's boards in two local authorities, Thameside and Bradford. So, mm. you know, you'll know more about this than most people. Uh, and, uh, you know, the... the the challenges in different parts of the country are very different, uh, and it's important that's reflected in the way that these boards operate. Yeah. No, I, I take your point on that. And I mean, and I think, you know, essentially the whole thing is about partnership, isn't it? And it's a question about how you actually choreograph that partnership locally uh, and, and to get the best for the particular area. I mean, we, I think we're, we're in agreement about that one. One thing about the boards, though, is interesting from the new Working Together guidelines, and that's about the financing of the boards. Um, at the moment, the, the guidance coming out suggests that there should be what's quote fair and equitable, uh, proportionate, sorry, and equitable um, partnership between the three principles. Now, at the moment, all over the country, the actual cash police contribution is very, very much smaller than the other two principal uh, leaders in this. Um, had you that in mind when you when your uh, the working together guidance went out? Well, I think the first point to be made is that the multi-agency reforms are cost-neutral, uh, as funding for multi-agency working remains an issue for local determination, and mm. the changes pose any additional burdens locally. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's, it's still out and, and not yet set uh, in stone, but the funding should be proportionate and sufficient from each partner to meet local needs. And, and I think that will mean some shift from a disproportionate cost, which is currently... Uh, taken by local authorities. Okay. Well, I mean, obviously, that, that what you're saying, if I can read it, Robert, is you're actually saying, look, there's local negotiations to be had here. Is that the sort of a, a good bottom line for that? Yeah, yeah, I think the, the, these things need to uh, be determined locally in the same way that, that as I said about the, the chair and the, the way these boards are going to work. Mm. It's all about making sure that fits your local situation. And, you know, I think in the past we've had far too much of central government dictating uh, what's good for people in different parts of the country. And the challenges in a rural part of Cumbria will be very different to challenges maybe in a central London borough. Yeah. Point taken. Um, now, of course, over the years, and you'll have had this in politics, you know, more times than you've probably had hot dinners with people saying to you, well, why do we need this change? Why do we need more and more of this change? Is it just change for same sake, et cetera, et cetera? Could you just outline for a bit about why you think that these new arrangements will make children safer? Well, you're absolutely got to the key of it. We need to make a system that does allow children to be safer. And as I mentioned already, sometimes the uh, the process for serious case reviews was a, a very long-winded process. And, and indeed, I think it would have been irresponsible um, for uh, children's services in a particular area to do nothing and wait uh, until that serious case review came out. So often it was sort of... Um, hopefully they'd got this, the stable door shut well and truly before those... Um, those lessons came through. But, you know, I think the imperative of the change we're bringing in is to ensure that lessons are learnt more quickly and we have better multi-agency working, including the way that the, the information is shared between these agencies. I've had one or two cases where we've had serious case reviews where there hasn't been uh, good information sharing, and that's, I think, part of the one of the lessons that we've learned how we need to move forward to make sure that information is shared. Sometimes, even within... Uh, a health uh, um, trust where you know, we had a case I saw recently where a child had been admitted to accident emergency at three separate A&E units, but there was no communication between those. 
uh, and, and the sort of the, the red lights didn't start to flash as they should have done because that information wasn't shared properly. So you know, this is about um, simplifying the existing statutory framework around multi-agency working and removing bureaucracy and, and placing the key safeguarding agencies, that's you know the police, uh, health and local authority into positions of leadership and account, accountability in the areas. And I'm, I really believe that this is going to be much better uh, locally at enabling lessons to be learned and action to be taken more quickly to ensure that children are safer. Okay, last couple of questions then, if I could, please. Um, it, it, it seems a little bit ironic to some people that, um, speaking from the Department for Education, um, the role of education in safeguarding was hardly ever recognised in Alan Wood's report and in subsequent um, uh, rearranging of the structures. Um, I mean, is there anything you'd like to say about that? Because obviously education play a massive part currently in, in safeguarding boards but yet they don't seem to have had at least on-paper recognition uh, within these new arrangements. Well, I, I hope that schools will be represented on some of these panels, but it's, it, it's not actually mandatory. Indeed, you know, schools play a very important part, both in identifying uh, neglect and abuse. And indeed, I, I've been to two um, MASH uh, operations in local authorities where information was coming in from schools and the schools are often the, the, the you know the best point of contact with a child whether that be through you know things that the child says or, or indeed you know evidence of of, of, of abuse uh, there so I think it's very important and also that because schools have a very important part to play in terms of the education that children get uh, and some of the work for example at the NSPCC does in schools to ensure that um, children are aware of the sort of risks that there may be. And it's, you know, we've moved on a lot from the old days of stranger danger. You know, there, there are an awful lot of problems, peer-on-peer uh, -peer abuse, uh, other types of internet-based um, issues that, where children can be at risk. So I think it's important that, uh, that we do en enable schools to continue to play their part. But the, the core uh, um, of players in this are the police, the health authorities and, and, and mm. the local authorities themselves. Okay. Um, one of the unfortunate things that you'll see is a, a consequence at the moment going on is uh, whilst all these changes are being mooted and, and discussed and consulted on, there still is the kind of um, consequences, if you like, of the whole um, the austerity program, austerity measures. And I know myself for a fact of many, many, many authorities where hundreds of people are being made redundant simply for the fact that you know, budgets have been cut right back to the bone and and therefore public services are uh, as thin, if you like, as they ever have been. Is there an end to this in, in, in your judgment coming up? Because it, it, an awful lot of people do seem to say that the people are suffering more and more and, and you know, and, and people are becoming much poorer and much more disillusioned. I mean, would you hope give people hope that there's an end to this? Well, in terms of you know, people having hope uh, as working in the British economy, we've never had more jobs in the British economy. And yes, we have seen a, a move uh, in the centre of gravity between people working for the state to people working in, in private enterprise. But you know, if you look at schools funding in this department, you know, we've we've had uh, protection uh, for uh, uh, the uh, funding per pupil, the sector of state. Uh, managed to get a, another £1.3 billion pounds to go into uh, ensuring that whilst we introduced the new national funding formula, 
we uh, ensure that the, the, the losers that would have lost under that formula don't lose in funding per, per student. And um, in terms of you know, social work, I mean, our problem uh, at the moment is about recruiting good social workers. We have a lot of vacancies uh, around the country and, and social workers do not have trouble finding funding. Now, that said, you know, we do get, uh, we have sort of fairly um, blunt conversation with local authorities. We know there are some strains and stresses on the system. We, we certainly make sure that those are, are passed through. But what is interesting, actually, as I, as I also go around the country, is that how some of the innovations that are being developed, uh, some of uh, as a result of our £200 million innovation fund, some as a result of the work that's starting to be done uh, the, at the What Work Centre, some of the innovations are actually producing better results more cheaply. Um, to give one example, the, the, the pause um, programme where um, mothers who repeatedly get pregnant and repeatedly have taken their children into care, you know, breaking that sort of vicious circle is, is a programme that for every pound invested yields five pounds in saving. Uh, and other systems uh, that we've seen, the um, uh, No Wrong Door um, system in North Yorkshire, which is being uh, shared around the country, you know, those are examples of innovation where good social work can be delivered uh, at less cost and, and indeed you know it's often the the effective children's social care departments that are actually making the right decisions first time and not necessarily sort of having expensive uh, repeat interventions which in the end end up not serving the best interests of the child and also not serving the best interests of the local or national taxpayer. Is that the kind of um, you're really talking about the kind of the landscape of early help? Is that would I be right in thinking that? Yes, it's it's about ensuring that decisions are made right first time, and you know what what is uh, one of the slightly disappointing parts of this job is that uh, whilst we're seeing you know ninety four percent of uh, of nurseries being good or outstanding, you know one point nine million more children in good or outstanding schools than than uh, in two thousand ten, we still see you know, children's services departments in local authorities uh, having uh, problems with Ofsted, uh, requiring improvement or, or being inadequate. And, and you know, that, that is a, a constant battle for this department, working with local authorities, whether that's through some of the, the, the trusts that have been set up around the country or partners in practice, to ensure that we get the very best children's social care delivered. And, and that isn't necessarily something down to cost. Some of the good interventions are actually, you know, the most cost-effective interventions which are better for children. So uh, I want to see, you know, I've got a map on the wall in my office with various boroughs and counties coloured in different colours. And at the moment, there's too much red on there. And there's some local authorities which, um, which I know are working very hard to get back up to uh, a, a good or, or even outstanding uh, level. So it's not just about how much you spend, it's how effectively it is spent. And there are some local authorities that are spending their money very effectively indeed. And there are others that, uh, that are spending equivalent amounts of money but not delivering uh, good solutions for children. Okay. So, okay, um, I, I, I maybe just ask you then a final one because I take, I mean, the, I mentioned the early uh, help uh, area because obviously colleagues tell me that that's the, a lot of pressure is being felt in that area at the moment and, and unfortunately resources seem to be very thin and but I'm listening to your previous answer um, finally then look all the frontline practitioners whichever discipline they're in so whether it's social work police health education voluntary sector charity work or even members of the community because there's enough a lot of um, belief of course that you know safeguarding is everybody's business 
Um, what sort of messages would you give to them at the moment from your position as a sort of the senior government minister um, in terms of not only the work they do, but the future that they can expect with what you've got your eyes on? Well, I, I think what I want to send a clear message is that I want to see a landscape of improvement. Uh, I want to see uh, better practice uh, being delivered around the country and the assessment and accreditation will be part of that. Uh, but I think an important part is the leadership that uh, children's social uh, services have, uh, both uh, from a political point of view, but also uh, having good directors of children's services who know how to deliver those good services. And, you know, often it can be a vicious circle. If an authority gets in a bad place, they have trouble with recruitment. Uh, they find they have to rely on agency staff, which is more expensive. So I think we, we, we have seen tremendous progress, I think, made in the the science of delivering good uh, children's social care, uh, the knowing what works better. And I think we need to do more in, in that way to make sure that, that where we are um, taking action to protect children, we need to, first of all, ensure that everything we do is in the best interest of the child, but also that, that what we're doing is an effective use of the resources that we're making available uh, to local authorities um, to ensure that that can happen. And, and of course, there's other aspects, the, the, the work we've done on ensuring better access to um, uh, early uh, childcare, uh, early years education, uh, making sure that, that some of the, the hubs that are being operated, family hubs, are delivering the help to the families that, that families need at, at an early stage. But you're absolutely right that, that early intervention is, is often the way that, that uh, problems down the road can be headed off. And of course, we know all too well that the cost of failing a child doesn't just end even when they leave school. Uh, often children who've been in care don't get into employment. Sometimes, sadly, they get involved in, in the, the criminal justice system. So, you know, having a good early intervention, making sure a child gets the best solution delivered with good social work, uh, adequately funded, I think that's, that's the way forward. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to uh, continuing to get to grips with this new job, this new challenge. And, and I, we need to make sure that everybody involved, whether that's police, uh, schools, uh, local children's services, understand that, that we are there to ensure that they can carry out their job effectively. Okay. Robert Goodwill, thank you very much indeed for your interview today. And, um, well, take care. Thanks again. Thank you very much indeed, David.